Welcome back, and a very special welcome to our next guest. He's one of our favorites, Daniel Greenfield. He is a Shulman Journalism Fellow at the David Horowitz Freedom Center, a very frequent contributor to Front Page Magazine, and I commend to you his work at at Sultan Kanish and his blog at danielgreenfield.org. Daniel, it's good to have you back, sir. It's been too long. Welcome. My pleasure. Thank you so much. I wanted to start by asking you about uh, your take on the emerging Iran nuclear deal that the Biden team has pursued with what I can only describe as a, a monomaniacal determination in the face of all evidence that it won't help at all, and it will probably make matters considerably worse. Joe Biden has a long history of being entangled with the Iran lobby. Uh, going back to the 2008 Democratic primaries, he was actually attacking Obama for being too tough on Iran. Uh, he was extensively funded by them. Uh, his response to September 11th was actually a proposal to send $200 million to Iran. Uh, he's told Israeli leaders in the past that they should just get used to a nuclear Iran. So uh, combine that with the old Obama hands who made the Iran deal happen, it's not surprising that we are getting an even more extreme and even worse version of the same uh, bankrupt and um, arrangement that has absolutely no credibility whatsoever. And because so much attention is being focused on the situation in the Ukraine, almost no attention is being paid to what Biden is doing with Iran, which is, of course, enormously convenient. When you say that the deal uh, that they tried to, uh, well, that they purported would save us from the Iranian nuclear weapon before, um, didn't have that effect. Uh, this seems to me to be, uh, as uh, Samuel Johnson once said of second marriages, the triumph of hope over experience. Um, what is driving these people? Uh, it, it, you suggest it's, it's corruption in the case of Joe Biden. Um, is there something else that explicates what on earth makes them think this is advisable? We are seeing the resumption of Obama's uh, position that uh, we have to conduct outreach to America's enemies. We have to cut deals with them, not because they are generally sol- they are actually solving any problem, but because America is in the wrong, and the only way that we can repair that wrong is to actually make those deals happen. So the deals themselves are a pretext. What is actually the fundamental driving motive is the need to appease, the need to apologize uh, for our existence, for our past foreign policy. Uh, Thus, we now have the arrangement to potentially buy oil from Iran, uh, from Venezuela now. Uh, None of this is actually about uh, what it claims to be about. What it's really about is resuming the Obama administration's policy, which is based on a worldview in which America is at fault. Now, uh, claiming that Iran, that the deal was going to stop Iran's nuclear program when it's transparently not now more than ever, when it couldn't even uh, stop it now, uh, is, again, just a pretext for that underlying motive because you can't come out to the American people, at least you can't um, politically do so, and announce that America is in the wrong and we must actually make amends. Rather, what you do is say that we have an emergency that requires us to urgently appease our enemies, and that is exactly what has happened with the Iran deal all along. And that is what is now happening with both Iran and Venezuela. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, one aspect of this is it, it would seem uh, that this is a, a piece with, as you say, the Obama-Biden uh, determination to fundamentally transform America, point one, and, and that uh, a wrecking operation against it is the 
necessary means of achieving that. Uh, domestically, we see it in so many different places, notably at the border, uh, with our economy, you know, with our energy policies, uh, and abroad. It does seem as though the leitmotif is emboldening our enemies, empowering them, enriching them, and uh, and diminishing or undermining our friends. Uh, a formula for having a lot more enemies than friends, obviously, um, a transformation of a very ominous kind. Um, anything you disagree with in that characterization? Well, I think that is absolutely correct. Uh, the worldview here is that um, is not one of national security. It's not one that uh, the United States needs to build alliances in order to protect um, our own security. Rather, it is that we must actually use those alliances to apologize, atone for our past. And thus, we have to actually abandon our friends who, because they are friends, are clearly unfit, and reach out to our enemies who, because they are our enemies, are clearly our victims. This is the same thing that we are seeing in domestic policy, where we uh, spend all of our time um, working with criminals and abandoning police officers that we're now seeing uh, deployed at an international level. You mentioned that uh, Joe Biden had opined a while back to Israel that it just has to get used to an Iranian nuclear capability. Um, Is there any evidence that the Israelis are taking that advice um, and can they afford to do so? What we have seen is that as a result of the Obama administration's policy, there was a growing closeness between Israel and some of the... um, more old-line Sunni Arab oil states. This was obviously a very startling development, yet it was also inevitable because of the rearrangement um, of powers, of alliances that Obama had made in the Middle East. Uh, Under the Trump administration, this came through fruition through what people call the Abraham Accords. Uh, We are seeing that um, various uh, players in the region, including Israel, are indeed growing closer. Um, The Israeli government officials have made visits to Arab Sunni Arab states And this is not because there's some great um, moral awakening because everyone has decided that they like each other very much. Realistically speaking, these are countries that have traditionally been Israel's enemies. But what they have realized is that the United States is absolutely unreliable as an ally um, under the Democrats, that uh, when there's an Obama or a Biden administration, that they absolutely cannot be trusted. And the Republican administrations come and go. uh, Thus, they actually have looked to form a somewhat more meaningful strategic arrangement with Israel. And likewise, that arrangement is based on um, Israel's ability to deter Iran. Thus, uh, what we are seeing here is really a result of an alternative arrangement. We're seeing in these diplomatic visits um, by Israeli officials is that um, the Israelis and some of the Sunni Arab states are preparing to deal with Iran in their own way because they know they can't expect anything from Biden. Uh, interposing of objections to them doing something about Iran. I think that's fair to say. And and I guess this is the question that's sort of weighing on me and I imagine on Israeli planners and uh, and some of these, um, well, uh, partners uh, in the marriage of convenience, uh, one might say, elsewhere in the Gulf, uh, namely that the United States might not only give uh, forewarning of an Israeli effort to address this threat from Iran's nuclear program by trying to take it down through, you know, old-fashioned kinetic means, but may actually interfere with um, such an attack. Um, Have you seen any evidence of whether the Israelis uh, anticipate such interference and what they might do in response? Uh, Once again, this is something that the Obama administration 
very much made into an issue. It uh, surveilled, it spied on the Israelis, it leaked information about Israeli plans to attack Iran to the media. Uh, people tend to forget that even before the NSA uh, Trump spying situation, uh, the Obama administration was using the NSA to spy on members of Congress who were talking to uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu at the time about opposing the Iran deal, and they were relaying the information to the White House. Uh, this was really the original spy gate that largely has been covered up. The Obama administration absolutely went into overdrive to protect its Iran deal. Uh, it spied extensively on the Israelis, including on Israeli military plans. Uh, resulting in, I'm sure, quite a lot of efforts by the Israelis to um, keep their keep their plans private. I'm sure that is still the case now. Uh, just because it's not in the media, the shadow game is doubtlessly going on. And the Israelis absolutely understand that anything that goes to our intelligence community is a risk of going to Iran and to um, Iran's allies. It's so shocking, but it, it's of a piece, really, going back to what we were talking about a moment ago, Daniel, of uh, the wrecking operation. Uh, when you think of the security and the strength that Israel enjoyed on January 20th of uh, 2021, and compare it with where things stand now as a result of, you know, whatever it is, 13 months of uh, Obama uh, administration uh, management or mismanagement of this portfolio. It's, I think, indisputable that Israel has suffered greatly and, uh, and that may be intensified if, as we fear, it has to take matters into its own hands to address this mortal threat to Israel without the help, the support and perhaps even with the opposition of the U.S. government. Um, let me come back to another aspect of this, uh, the energy piece. Uh, Daniel, it would seem that it is in the vital interests of the United States, especially at this moment when uh, Russia's uh, Ukraine invasion is wreaking havoc, uh, not just in Ukraine, of course, but uh, throughout the continent of Europe economically, politically, diplomatically, perhaps militarily, that it would be in the vital interests of the United States, uh, as well as Europe, to have um, other sources of energy being made available to Europe uh, than those that Russians have on offer. Uh, Nord Stream 1, for example, and possibly Nord Stream 2 in due course. Yep. As with the American pipelines, uh, Joe Biden has objected to an Israeli pipeline in the Middle Eastern Mediterranean that was intended to supply uh, Europe with non-Russian gas. Um, what are we to make of uh, these decisions, uh, seemingly very supportive of Russian um, exports of gas, but uh, not so much anybody else's, at least friendly people like our own producers and, uh, and the Europeans. Uh, and, uh, excuse me, Biden the administration's opposition to EastMed, which is an Israeli Greco-Israeli pipeline, uh, is somewhat predictable because uh, this is the same administration that sabotaged Keystone uh, that is consistently opposed to um, any kind of meaningful uh, energy, sustainable energy program by our allies. And indeed, that effectively isolated Europe. It isolated Europe's energy needs. Uh, but this is part of the green dogma that the Biden administration, that a lot of um, folks on the left have embraced, which is that we need to be entirely dependent on solar panels and windmills. 
which effectively means that we're actually dependent on Russian gas and oil. That is what happened to Europe. It's why we're buying Russian oil in bulk. Uh, but also beyond that opposition to EastMed, which was would have been the Greco-Israel pipeline, was no doubt motivated in general by opposition to Israel, opposition to um, Greece for that matter, um, support for Turkey, and uh, in the larger sense, support for Russia. Despite all the posturing now, the bottom line is that the Biden administration has consistently given the Russians everything um, they wanted. It was not all that long ago that the Biden administration was lobbying Capitol Hill against, against, mind you, um, sanctions on Nord Stream 2. Uh, now that they're actually sanctioning Nord Stream 2, they're now actually lobbying against san- uh, sanctions on Russian oil in general. So the Biden administration has been absolutely consistent in um, saying one thing and doing uh, the entirely the opposite thing, which is, again, very typical when it comes to international relations and the approach to our enemies. On the one hand, they will claim with Iran, with um, Russia, with other enemies with China, that they are absolutely opposed, that they are determined to protect American national security, but their actions show the exact opposite. And whether the excuse is green dogma, which, by the way, the Russians have very much financed, uh, the Russians financed the various eco-lobbies and protests, so have the Chinese, um, or whether it's um, appeasement of our enemies, the consistent policy has been to put America last and to put our enemies first. And to lie about it throughout as uh, was much in evidence during the State of the Union address, of course, uh, that Joe Biden just delivered. Um, I call it the gaslight of the Union <laughs> rather than the state of it. Um, let me turn uh, to one other piece of um, the portfolio you cover so well at Front Page Magazine, uh, among other places, Daniel Greenfield, and that is um, your concerns about um, the release of terrorists by the Biden administration from Guantanamo Bay. This has gotten practically no attention elsewhere. I commend you for your work on it. Um, give us a quick update on what's happening there. And its so the Obama administration did its absolute best to free all the terrorists from Gitmo. Uh, one of the things people tend to forget is that Obama actually fired one of his secretaries of defense because he was not actually releasing terrorists from Gitmo as quickly as he wanted. Obama actually went to Congress and petitioned for the permission to just directly free all the terrorists himself so he did not have to go through his secretary of defense and through the entire process of uh, that. But uh, some of the worst of the worst actually did remain in Gitmo. Biden is now releasing them. That includes one of the alternate terrorists uh, for September 11th. Uh, So we're talking the absolute worst of the worst. So uh, this was actually, um, we're including alternate 911 terrorists, people who were in the past would have been too controversial to be released. That includes uh, one of the terrorists from the alternate um, operation, which was um, originally Sheikh Khalid Mohammed, who was the mastermind of September 11th, contemplated multiple wings of the attack. One of actually would have come from Asia. Um, We have one of the terrorists from that operation in Gitmo. He is being released. Uh, we have the 20th terrorist who actually tried to come in through um, Orlando, Florida. He was turned back. Uh, we have him in Gitmo. He's being released. Uh, a number of other uh, key terrorist leaders, including one who plotted to uh, carry out a major uh, barracks bombing in Africa. Again, he is being released. So we're looking really at the very last few people um, who actually are the absolute worst of the worst. The Obama administration was not able to release them because pretty much nobody is paying attention to what the Biden administration is doing. They are being released. I'm thankful that you are paying attention to it, and I hope that we can arouse others to do so as well. Daniel, this is a travesty, and it just it fits the larger pattern that you've described so well of um, really working against our vital interests, even our security interests. Uh, that seems to be the leitmotif of the 
Biden administration. Daniel, thank you for the great work you do at um, the Daniel Horowitz Freedom Center and, of course, uh, at Front Page Magazine, among other places. I know you'll keep it up. I hope you'll come back to us again very soon. I hope the rest of you will come back to us again tomorrow, same time, same station. Until then, this is Frank Affney. Thanks for listening.